welcome to Web of Resonance. I'm Teresa Carmody with Elemental Journeys. And I am Ken Edwards, the Rune Walker. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Well, Ken, I don't know about you, but uh, I've been feeling Samhain coming on the last couple of days pretty powerfully. Um, I have been. <laughs> I think, you know, my reading last week uh, that you gave me was uh, so amazing. I've listened back to it three or four times. And um, the one thing that kind of, not just one, but one thing that kind of keeps coming to me is that I've, and you kind of touched on it, maybe not in so many words, but uh, my harvest and things are a little off this year. <laughs> so um, I do feel Samhain, uh, but I do feel like, especially at the moment, wrapping up everything here with the sale of the store and moving uh, this week is, um, I feel my Samhain maybe, maybe a, a touch uh, put off into the into the future just a week or so yeah well you got lots of the you know mundane little mm -hmm. things to occupy your mind so um, yeah so yeah i think you're right on course it's it's funny how i'm feeling someone this year uh is just more about the energetic of the environment i'm in so yeah. often i'll feel it like really personally this year it doesn't feel quite so personal um and i actually attribute that to the reading that you gave me because a big part of my salon this year is going to be about performance um and i've been practicing channeling my story and it's been really awesome so i'm really looking forward to uh, how that happens and what place that has in the context of what I'm feeling. It almost feels like the cauldron is stirring. The magic is uh, waking up. Yeah. That's and fantastic. I think that, you know, that's, that's the veils thinning. Right. Yeah. So Absolutely. everything just feels a lot more accessible. Yes. Yeah. And um, so I'm excited because I get to be there for one of one of the performances. So um, because there might be some people listening who want to go, do you want to tell them about it? Sure. So uh, the show that I'm doing, it's a storytelling show. It's true tales of paranormal experiences. It's called Shaken and it's at Deep End Theater here in Portland. Uh, and we'll be performing uh, the 30th, 31st, 1st and 2nd. All of them are 9.30 shows. Yay. Yay. That's going to be so exciting. I'm, I'm so glad that I actually get to be there. Yeah, me too. I think it's, uh, I can already feel, you know, as I was practicing, I could feel both you and Tate uh, kind of present. Uh, you're definitely a big part of the story I'm going to be telling. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Cool. I'm excited. I can't, I absolutely cannot wait. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a it's different sound this year. <laughs> you know what? I I really feel like um, it is. And um, so I don't know why I'm, you know, sometimes we just go with our promptings and then we write it out and see what happens. Right. Um, right. So uh, we could start with, I um, probably... Uh, sorry got distracted. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> a 
last year, gosh, when was it? We were still at the other location. So it was probably a year, maybe a little over a year ago. But um, I had done a, a, a meditation that took me to uh, the cauldron, Caridron's cauldron. And um, accessing it, what happened for me was uh, we, it's a, I think it's like meeting the nine maidens, maidens uh, meditation kind of thing. So the guardians of the cauldron. So, uh, <clears throat> but what happened was it was like um, the floor, you know, like a, like a trap door, but like a, on a pivot. So it like just flipped me into the reverse. Yep. So it flipped me into the other, into the other world. And um, <clears throat> when I was there, I uh, met the horned God um, and uh, I, I believe he was of the well of my uh, Welsh ancestry. But uh, when I was there, he gave me a horn. And it was really interesting because I didn't really know uh, necessarily what to do with it. Um, one of the things that it was about was um, what he explained to me was, uh, you know, if I needed to come back there, if I wanted to come back there, all I had to do was blow that. But it's about the hunt and uh, beginning the hunt, right? Like uh, this time of year, gathering up the souls kind of thing. Right. But um, what, I, the, what I just wrote <laughs> was uh, interesting because it took me back there and it was, um, oh, you little bastard, come on. Where are you? Well, I'll tell you as you're talking about that, I, th I think I'm feeling very connected to what you're saying because I think that... Uh, you know, that spirit I'm channeling, the one that we worked with together, yep. um, to me, he is a horned god, and he's also a guardian of the dead. And so, you know, this is his time of year as well, um, in that, um, you know, the guardian of the dead is the one that helps when the veils are thin for those spirits to be able to communicate with their living loved ones and then also to protect them in a way that they don't get lost in that kind of tween place yep. uh, where communication has to happen. Um, and that when the veil starts to thin, he knows how to help them come back home. Yeah. So, it, it, so it's interesting that you're going down and you're meeting the very same being that we had a joint encounter with. And this does, I mean, this is when uh, we were together and performed that magic. Yeah. So I think that it's a bit of an anniversary. It's almost like Samhain now also has a very deeply personal shared story. Um, and I, so I wonder how often that'll get activated for us, given that there is now a connection to him. Yeah. It, I think that, uh, well, probably more, more and more, uh, I wrote, um, on the 16th of October, I was trying to find it. So, you know, I've been writing in this, this book of prose and it's always interesting to me how it comes back, but part of one of the, the prose that I wrote, uh, was, uh, the great horned God appears. Uh, do I have the strength to blow the great horn he gave me? It is that time of year, time to gather the souls, or is it time to lead them on a hunt? Yes. And so it was a really interesting um, kind of 
understanding that opened up for me in, in that uh, maybe potentially one of the things that, uh, that did for me was it broke down still even, and, and maybe it de-Christianized. Uh, it pulled out another part of the story that was more of a, a Christian concept of gathering the souls right. to kind of herd them together instead of, you know, leading them on a hunt altogether, which was, I thought, uh, really cool when it happened to me. Oh, I like that. You know, it's funny. I had a friend uh, spontaneously. She made me just like um, she created a like a tarot card. Um, oh. So and on there was, of course, Crow. Uh, but she put um, Diana the Hunter on there. And it's funny because uh, that whole energy of hunter and prey comes up very regularly for me this time of year. And um, it it shows up often enough that I know it has a message for me. And yet at the same time, there's a part of me that resists hunting so much that I don't think I really understand the message. Yeah. So maybe that's what we should pull our tools about today is what does it mean to be hunters? Yes. Cause I also, that was one of my questions um, yeah. from my reading last week uh, that I literally have listened to it like four times, <laughs> um, <laughs> not just because I had to, you know, edit it, but because uh, I want, I wanted to. And one of the things was, one of the questions was how, how to, what does it mean to be a hunter or what does it mean to gain sustenance from being a creature that lives in the water? And so that's something I've been thinking about a little bit um, because I did go to that. Once I've gone to that place, that world that you mentioned in my reading and um, uh, it was, it was interesting, but I tried to go last night and I I kind of kept being pulled back to this is, this is not the week for that. This is to do son. You got shit to do, you know? Yeah. So I'm. I, let's pull our tools for that. I think that's great. What does it mean to be a, a hunter? And, and so that also means that uh, you know we're currently in the season of water and we're moving into the season of earth. So for me, I'm going to try to keep open that the hunter it, hunter might show up like as a water creature. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, I'm going to shuffle. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> okay. I I don't know why I just I uh so normally if I'm doing a reading I shake the bag and shake the runes in my hand and pull and pull some out when I feel like that's what needs to be pulled out. Yeah. And so today I pull, I just normal, not even thinking about it. I pulled out a four instead of (laughs) one. So we'll see what happens. Let's see. Let's see what they have to say. And one of my cards jumped out. So, uh, so we'll see how the five of them uh, talk together. I love how um, interested they all seem to be. <laughs> yes. In what we're doing. It's like, oh my God, finally you a- asked the question we're trying right. to answer for you. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. You answered the right question. 
Yeah. Or you asked the right question. Right. Which is really, uh, you know, that's an art in and of itself. Yep. So what are the four you got? So when I, when I cast them out, um, you can't fucking make this shit up. I just want to start, <laughs> but you can't make this shit up. Um, uh, I got Avaz, which is the rune of the balance of life and death. Which and, was in my reading. Yes. Yeah. And I, I also, uh, the other one that was two up, two down, the other one that was facing up was AR, which is, um, uh, has shown up for me as the Reaper, but it is about transformation, but it's uh, transformation. It's the rune of the grave. Well, good God, man, that couldn't be more on point if we had tried. I'm telling you, and people, <laughs> people who are listening, I can't make this shit up. I, I, it just, that's how it went. The other two that were face down, um, I believe are, are um, so Ock, which is the Oak, and then Perto, which is uh, the gaming, taking, uh, taking risks. Uh, sometimes you just got to jump in and, you know, figure out how to swim or see what happens both feet first. You can't tiptoe. And uh, it's about making choices. So I think that those two kind of underlying the other uh, two are really where I'm at in my journey. Well, always, but especially at this moment of uh, taking, I also see connected to uh, Angerboda, who is the chiefess of all the clans of the Ironwood. Um, she has a staff. Her staff is not only something that shows her uh, her station, but it also was the staff of a warrior. So, um, because she was a warrior first before she became the chiefess. So, it's all and also uh, mother of the monsters, isn't she? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So we're yeah. talking about uh, beings who. Uh, are often called monsters, are often called demons, but when you are part of their clan, you wouldn't identify yourself as such. Right. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's perfect because what I pulled is uh, the fairy stallion. Oh. So um, he is, let's see. So the picture is of a white stallion and a fae riding him. Uh, it's the number seven in the major arcana. Uh, so for anyone who reads Tarot and uh, wants to just kind of look at their own decks. Um, in this deck, he really, um, to me, horse and white horse in particular is very symbolic of uh, the, the one who carries you between the worlds. So, you know, in shamanic traditions, often drums are horse drums and horse is the symbol of uh, it's essentially in that culture, the magic carpet. And the fact that a fae is riding him, I mean, part of that is just I'm using a fae deck. Uh, but to me, this is very specifically about going to a very specific world in the other world. Um, because though we talk about the other world as if it's just one place, my experience of the other world is that there are other worlds, many of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, you and I have probably uh, the deepest connection with kind of the fae realm or the worlds that are connected to that mm -hmm. uh, with our ancestry. 
Um, and so when we are seeking out our ancestors, perhaps uh, we need to look beyond the human realm. Yep. And maybe that's what the hunting is, is the hunting is to know what world do we seek when the veil is thin. Yeah. Um, I I think I've maybe explained it on this before, but when you just said the ancestors part, you know, uh, you know, those um, family charts where it branches off and you have your mom and dad and then branches off them. What is that called? Genealogy chart? Yeah. Family tree. So I, Family tree, thank you. Which is so, interesting that that's a tree. A tree, right? Um, so, uh, the I, I did a meditation once, and I actually have a meditation in, in my class that I teach, um, where if that is laying flat on the floor and I'm standing on my name, um, the meditation in the meditation when I did it, uh, I watched my line move forward, split towards going to my parents, and then not instead of well, their lines moved forward with their, where their names would be, but one went right out from the center and it actually dropped down off of the plane that I was on. And it took me to a witch that it really, it, uh, honest to God, took me to, um, I couldn't go any further on the path going straight until I took the path to the left, which is funny. I didn't get that till just now. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Uh, to a tree. And I went into the tree. She offered me something to drink and an apple and then put me back on the path and I went and that was where I um, had experienced uh, putting fire and water together. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. So for you to find your magic, you had to have sustenance first and to have the sustenance, you had to find the one who had it for you. Yeah. Because that apple was charmed. If you got it from a witch, that apple was charmed. That apple was charmed. Actually, yeah. that's so funny. That came up in your reading. Yes, charmed it apple. Did. Okay. Yeah. Well, not just the charmed apple, but you saw the hag offering it. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And the hag okay. is witch. So, oh, yeah. 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 So, okay. I guess we both have to go meet the hag again. <laughs> that's going to be, this is a, it's really interesting because I feel, um, at the moment with, with the concepts that kind of seem to be coming back uh, and something else that happened to me. Uh, the funny thing is I can't remember it. I can remember the lesson being taught to me. I can't remember what happened, but. Oh, uh, I love that. That usually means deep magic was at work. If you can't remember the magic, but only the lesson. Yeah. It's really yeah. fascinating because I, as I'm, I remember, but I don't know <laughs> what happened. Right. Uh, but it was about, it's about, um, be, you know, becoming more of, of, a, of a warrior instead of just a soldier. So it's learning these uh, other ways of hunting or this deeper knowledge of hunting, this, this uh, deeper, um, more calculated. Well, yeah. And uh, I love that you're saying that uh, because for me, it was also learning that uh, that what I thought was prey isn't. Oh, interesting. Keep going. So, so um, uh, there was a time when I felt like I was really being called to know myself as a warrior. And that part of what needed to shift for me was, um, oh, 
the perspective is not quite right. It was like I needed to zoom out a little bit more, see the web a little bit broader, and that what I was hunting for was what are the resources I need to help fortify the web. Um, and so uh, sustenance changed its meaning for me. It was no longer about food or about material things. It was more about... Um, hunting that which seeks to be consumed to give the energy for what you are trying to build. And so there was, there was a time when I was really focused on being a warrior that it was less about, you know, I had it in my head that um, to be a hunter, to be a warrior, you seek things that try to elude you. Whereas what the shift was, was no, there's actually a partnership. There is something longing for you to find it. And that when you become a warrior, you really kind of, instead of just kind of hunting arbitrarily, you become much more uh, nuanced and specific and aware of what you need and kind of project an energetic that automatically connects with the thing that is longing to be consumed to be added to the web interesting there's a the rune year uh yr is a rune of um of focus but it's usually the like the archer yeah. uh and uh it's connected with scotty who's a, a giantess of the north but the one of the concepts of that is that um there is a balance in uh <clears throat> life and death in that some there's always something that has to be uh consumed or killed if you're hunting to allow for the the thing that's hunting it to be sustained and, and that the thing that wants to be killed wants to be killed yeah yes yeah oh, and so i often think about that for me where i identify those things within myself personally is where is my suffering Whatever is suffering in me is often longing to be transformed. And so they actually are seeking death because yeah. death is the great transformer. And this time of year, that's what's happening. It's what's yeah. happening, you know, uh, agriculturally. It's, it's what's happening energetically. Um, and I think that we often think of death as um, a defeat and so we don't often listen to those voices that are longing to meet their death. Yeah. <sighs> I noticed that uh, when I was listening to the podcast over and over that when I, then I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I breathe out quite heavily when I'm bring in and move off uh, something. Uh, yeah. or, 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 uh, am digesting information. Actually, I think it actually happens a lot when I'm pulling it in and allowing it to go into my sub sub or unconscious yes. so it can be processed there because I'm over, my mind is overwhelmed with the thoughts that it. Which is up. when I think you're, you're most magical to me, the breath is kind of like, uh, it allows you to submerge. Yeah. And your whole metaphor of how you connect to the magic and how you channel is to step into a stream. So when you breathe like that and submerge, you're allowing the stream to embody you even more fully. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it does take you out of your head um which is where you've been and all the organization around the store and the move and all that stuff yeah true so uh, let me ask you this riddle me this <laughs> uh, <laughs> what parts of you are suffering calling out to be to be consumed this this year um you know it, that's a good question um and i can tell you kind of what i feel i feel things <clears throat> what i'm feeling as we're talking is i'm feeling um some activity in my center and I'm also feeling a more distant uh, kind of tickling almost uh, well below my feet. So it feels to me like there are things that I am just outgrowing that I need to let go of. Yeah. And um, the tickling in my feet, it feels more like what is longing to die is already moved out of my body and into my root system. And I just need to let go so that it can deepen and be buried. Mm -hmm. um, specifically, the thing that's coming up for me is poverty. Mm -hmm. And that's been something that I think has, uh, you know, that's a recurring theme in my life is money and what does it mean? What have I been told about what I'm entitled to, what I'm not entitled to, what I deserve, what I don't deserve? Um, how, um, it, you know, there's also, uh, as an intuitive and as an artist, the things that I do that I think of as work, um, are not typically things that, um, they're typically both professions where part of the stereotype is that you will suffer for your art. Right. And I think that that's a motif that keeps coming up that because it's coming up right now, I'm imagining uh, it is ready to die. I hope that's yeah. true. It would be so really too. nice to be able to focus on the things I'm creating without worrying about. Uh, and how do I connect that to uh, self-sustaining, you know, mundane money material yep. things? Yep. I hear you. Yeah, I don't do, I don't do my best work on the material plane around that. I do my best work when I go into the uh, the deeper energetics that can manifest as money, but other stuff too. Yes. Yeah. It's really. Hmm. I will tell you. So you and I have had discussions about Patreon. <laughs> yes. Um, cause I was actually just working on my Patreon page right before we started recording because I had decided over the, um, over the God, well, I guess ever since we, well, probably last week that I really needed to, um, not throw my phone around. Whoops. <laughs> um, that I really needed to look at that and see how it can benefit me. Um, and I created my profile and I, you know, you have these tiers where you can, the reason you and I've talked about it is because we're, uh, 
non-hierarchical. <laughs> uh, and this, the tiers we've spoken about actually kind of create a hierarchy where if you can afford it, you can have, uh, have more, right? So I've been thinking, I created these four tiers. One was like $3 and you get, you know, this and this. The one was 13 and you get um, blogs and podcasts and a little bit more. Then I created like a, I don't know, $53 one, which actually included a reading, like a one question reading per month. And then a $133 one, which created, which was everything plus you actually get an hour or 50 minute reading once a month. And I thought that works because then if people want a reading, they can do that. So I've been sitting on that for about four or five days now. And I came in this morning and I was like, it's got to change. In fact, that's one of the reasons I was uh, journeying last night or trying to, um, was because I really wanted to figure this out. Um, I've got everything coming up starting November 1st. Uh, I just need to be prepared. So I'm looking at Patreon and I'm like, oh, I just don't, I don't know. It doesn't feel right. I still feel like I'm going, me putting tears in is me going backwards, not forward. <laughs> and right. it, felt, it felt very much like a me, because now, uh, you know, my hair business I'm retiring from, the store we sold. So um, if there's any moment for me to feel scared as fuck about being able to pay my bills, it's now. And um, so I thought, well, gosh, I'm, me going back to the hierarchy of having a tier system uh, actually is just me feeding into that still. And so I came back today and I kind of uh, put it all down to one tier. There's just one. And um, I think, what did I do? It's 9.33 a month. And that gives you access to everything. Um, and then, you know, if people want a reading from me, then they can pay for it whenever they want that, you know? So right. it's, been, um, it's been in my uh, cauldron as well <laughs> to have go to go through what you're, what you're going through. I think that a lot of us um, go through this process. And I, I've met so many people who I don't feel like I can, I don't feel it's right to charge for my gift. And I'm like, Oh, well the, you know what? The fucking internet company thinks it's okay for to charge for their gift <laughs> to you. So we have to figure it out, you know, and, and unfortunately, yeah. because we come from, you know, uh, currently in the culture, we have this, well, I mean, what, uh, even with Christianity, like um, uh, nuns and priests, they give up everything and take vows <laughs> of charity or chastity, chastity uh, and poverty. <laughs> both all of them they take those other vows too but <laughs> they don't apply today right right so yeah that will never apply to me i don't think uh knock on wood um so you know it's one of those things where it, we we are kind of fighting against um a thousand two thousand years whatever worth of uh you have to be poor as fuck to be spiritual you know, um, there's two things that I'm thinking about with that. Uh, number one is I, I'm feeling like it's even bigger than that. Uh, it feels yeah. to me like the question I really want to ask you, um, and I hear this from people who come from, for readings all the time, 
is can I afford to follow my dream and whatever that is. Um, And I hear people who have gifts and talents that are simmering just under the surface and that call to them and that uh, the most um, frequent reason that I hear for why someone isn't pursuing their dreams Uh is money is the fear yep. that the dream will not provide what they need to live. Yep. Um, and I know that that was something that definitely came up in my life when, you know, I was a therapist for a while and that was, uh, that could be a struggle of a lifestyle, but it still was considered a little more uh, mainstream as a profession than what I do now. And I, you know, I could feel that calling of there's something more, there's something more. This isn't quite what, you know, your soul is longing to do. And I had to follow my heart. Uh, For me, it was actually more costly not to than to do it. Um, And uh, one of the things that I think I'm discovering is because there has been so much energy Uh, put into creating a narrative of when you're spiritual, you should be poor. When you're an artist, it's part of the art struggle that I think that part of following those kinds of dreams also means, and how do you deal with the energetic of this narrative that has been so reinforced? It has manifest. Yeah. Well, because the concept really is that the reason it's a struggle and the reason it's hard is because you're trying to live the other way, the white picket fence way, but your way of living is totally different. So it's not hard because it's the process. It's hard because you're breaking away from the other. Right. Yeah. Just got that. (laughs) I'm slow. (laughs) Well, I think that, you know, I, we use our divination tools. Our divination tools help us tap into archetypal energies and to me archetypal energies are created by us they're created by the stories that we tell to give meaning to our life experience and Mm -hmm. that when we start to search for meaning we often will tap into a story that's already been told and then apply it to our life we just did that with our tools um you know the the fairy stallion here has meaning that feels potent in the image and yet i'm also interpreting it when i tell you what it means the way i see it yeah what is that in in traditional tarot is it the chariot uh well it's the seven so let me just pull out my other deck and see what that major arcana card is. I can't quite remember. Um, it you know. seems appropriate that it, it that it would be um, the chariot. Hang I on. think. Yeah. It is not actually. So um, here's what's interesting. So uh, two cards actually kind of fell out of my other deck. Uh, (laughs) the the eight uh which is the warrior so that's interesting you were talking about that archetype already this morning uh but the the card that comes right before it in the major arcana is the high priestess Mm. 
And it's funny that you're talking about going to the witch to receive the enchanted apple and then going to a place where you're encountering fire and ice and the call to become warrior. So I just looked up, so if I just, because I'm in front of my computer, I Googled the seventh card in tarot and it says the chariot. Which one are, which, which deck are you looking at? You're, really? What's your deck? Yeah. Or maybe, okay, the seven card Oh, you know what? It's chariot. because there's not enough light in my room. The two is the high priestess. Okay. So, <laughs> so you're right with the chariot. Um uh, that's an interesting little slip, too. Hmm. Um, well, it happened for a reason. Well, I, to me, as, as you were talking about that, I started to see them in sequence and why they're showing up the way that they are. Uh, the high priestess is where you go when you're a magical being to receive the enchanted apple. The chariot can take yeah. you to the balance of the light and the dark. I mean, the way that I read the chariot is not really about ambition or will um, because I'm not so focused on the rider and the posture of the rider. I'm more focused on the horses. And yes. traditionally in that card, you have a black horse and a white horse that are harnessed together and need to cooperate in order for the chariot to have forward movement. Yep. And uh, the warrior card coming directly after that is what happens when you learn how to do that. To me, the warning of the chariot card is when you try to harness the light and the dark together simply by the power of your will, then it, it the dynamic of that relationship, um, it feels very oppressive to me. But when you, when you harness light and dark together and you connect with them in a way that uh, is without uh, driving them but is in cooperation, um, then it is not your will that is supplying that energy. It is the cooperation. Yeah. So it's, it's the collective energy and desire of moving forward you know what i think is also interesting about what you just said is i'm looking at the um i'm looking at some of the uh cards the chariot cards and the one that i pulled up was really interesting because it they're not um they're not actually uh the the, the driver is not actually controlling where they go there's no uh, reins. Right. And that's so fascinating. Well, I hadn't, I've, I've well not noticed in the that card before. you're looking at, does the driver have a whip in its hand? Uh, no, he has a wand. Okay. Well, I like that deck, whatever you're using better. I think that that actually is communicating in its image what I'm seeing in this progression, what it yes. means to become a warrior is that the warrior knows how to integrate. I mean, when you're talking about holding fire and ice, those are very balancing uh, kind of elements. Yeah. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, the magician is all about knowing all of your tools and how to use them both singularly in their uh, pristine potency, 
but also how to build relationship among all your tools so that all of them are fed by that collective energy so that they start to work together in a collaborative way. Yeah. Um, and then you don't need a whip. You don't need reins either. All you need your, is yourself to be present and connected with those beings that draw you forward. Yeah. Yes. Wow. And I will say this, um, going back to my fairy stallion here, um, I have a personal connection with this image in that the horse that I rode growing up was a white stallion. And he was incredibly sensitive. Like I had to ride for many, many years before they would even uh, let me attempt to uh, get on his back. And I had wow. the kind of riding instructor who would teach me in all those years that while I was um, intending for a direction change or whatever cues I wanted to give to the horse, it really was about communicating. And she said very specifically, the way that you communicate is first you think it, then you feel it, and then you ask it with your body. And mm. when I started riding uh, the stallion, he was so sensitive. I'd already become practiced in the way that I communicate is I first think it, then I feel it, then I ask it with my body. We started to get so connected, that horse and I, that I would think it, I would begin to feel it, and he would act it out. It was almost as if I was channeling that energy from thinking about what I want to feeling what I want to our bodies were so connected that my body didn't have to ask. It flowed through my body as if his body and mine were one, and his body was the one that acted it out. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It was, uh, to me, uh, it, you know, being a sensitive person um, and an intuitive, um, I think that more was going on than what my riding instructor had intended. Um, <laughs> yeah. And But part of what it did was it connected me to horses in a way that they also taught me. They taught me a lot about myself and the collective and how to tap into the collective it's interesting that we're talking about the hunt uh because horses are considered prey animals and the intuition of the herd is often developed as a direct result of how to survive uh when there's a predator near yeah wow yeah Um, hmm. So, oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. Wow. I had to put a piece of chocolate in my mouth. I needed to come back. Hold on. <laughs> You were drifting beyond the ability to communicate? I, I was going... I was going into the place of... Well, let me, let me say it this way. I was watching um, this show... I don't know. 
on Netflix or something, but it's about um, the beginning stages in the FBI of them criminal profiling. And it's about becoming the person that it took me to this place of becoming the, the criminal so they can understand the criminal mind and doing that. So what had happened for me just in that moment was I began doing that for the horse as a prey animal, but it took me to this place of like doing it for whichever, whoever it is or whatever it is inside of me, because it's not, it's, it wasn't, I was separating myself from the prey and the predator instead of. Right. You were putting them in opposition instead of integrating them. So, yeah. 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 So um, what that brings up for me is directly related to, um, you know, what we've been talking about, about the horned God and hunting is that, um, you know, when you can put, when I do a house clearing, uh, I have a practice of, I do not look for, um, like the evil thing that needs to be purged. I'm looking for what is the thing that is misplaced? How can I connect with it? When I connect with it, can it tell me what it needs? And every time that I've done house clearing that way, um, it's quick, it's easy, and it's painless without any kind of residue. Meaning that there's no fight. I'm not fighting any dark spirits. Uh, they're not pissed off that I'm fighting, and so they become retaliatory. It's that I'm recognizing that um, the being that is being hunted has its own desires. And if I can align with that, I can often achieve uh, the magic that helps both uh, the one that is hunting, so the one that doesn't want them in their house anymore, and the one that's being hunted, the spirit. Both of them can get what they want when you connect with the desires each of them have. Yeah. Yeah. And it does change hunting. It changes your perspective when you think about hunting that way. It's no longer a, a binary of one is predator and one is prey. It becomes more like mediation, where you become the third mm -hmm. neutral party that is seeking to know the desires of both and what is the magic that achieves that. Yeah. I also think too, for me, part of what happens is, um, you know, uh, uh, I'm speaking about things that are kind of coming up as we speak about this. Yes. And one of them is that, uh, of course we separate, or I'm sorry, of course I have separated the two because uh, prey is always seen as weak. And so any of my weaknesses, of course, I want to separate from me and consume them uh, because uh, I was, you know, taught not to be weak. Right. Yet the thing that and is so that... weak in you has the best voice about what you need. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Interesting. And, That's really yeah. fascinating. And so if we could connect with our own weaknesses and hear from them what it is we need, 
um, than that we could hunt instead of our weaknesses. And the hunt becomes um, honorable. Yeah, because it honors the voice of the weak of the weakness in us. That's something that's hungry, and some and you know, like we said, sometimes what it's hungry for is death. Um, but it's not death in terms of like obliterating it or ridding ourselves mm -hmm. of it. It really is the transformational process that only death can bring, because right after death is rebirth yep yes and so for me when something is longing for death it's actually longing for rebirth but death is the necessary doorway yeah yeah i mean that's exactly exactly where <laughs> where i'm at and where i've been um i have you know, uh, longed for this, I have longed for the end of this pattern or these patterns of behavior that no longer serve me. And I have longed for that. And sometimes uh, in the past, not recently, but in the past, instead of uh, actually acknowledging that, there are there were times where uh, I would force the death, um, maybe like even in, well not maybe that's stupid even in relationships, not recent, uh, but in the past I will have done things to force them to end it. Right. You know, like this is a long time ago, but there, it's that. But that pattern has kind of continued where it was like, well, I don't want to be the one to kill it. And this is anything, not just relationships. I don't want to be the one to kill it, so uh, I'll force someone else to. But really, again, laying yourself on the altar of the Morrigan and then allowing and, and taking the knife out of her hand and you start carving yourself up and then she jumps in and helps is the place to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, I think, uh, when you dive deeper and deeper into this, that you end up being both the hunter and the prey. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hello? Yeah, I'm still here. Sorry. I, this is... My I will favorite. say, on this end of things, though, uh, I I heard a couple other voices... Oh, say Did that you one. hear that? No, I totally missed it. Oh, well, it'll be interesting to see if it got recorded. Okay. Because we've had that happen a couple times, haven't we? Yes. Yeah, I heard, I heard uh, a voice that was neither yours nor mine say right <laughs> about something. Uh, and I just, I heard a presence. So it'll be interesting if, if the recording picks that up. Oh, I'm sure it will. Yeah. And this is like the last one in this building. So they have like this chance. This is their last chance. It, that's right. <laughs> if they're here. Any parting words, now's your time. Yeah, right. <laughs> wow. Wow. Hmm. So let's see. 
I asked you what's on the chopping block. <laughs> yeah. So let's hear from you. What's on your chopping yeah, block? Yeah. I was just going to say, I thought, you know, that was kind of unfair for me to go, hey, yes. Teresa, <laughs> bare your soul up, and tell kid. me. Fess up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, um, I no longer want to be nice uh and (laughs) what i (laughs) what i mean i'm looking to cultivate my inner asshole (laughs) i well listen i'm cultivating every type of asshole at this moment because i'm (laughs) not nice um no you know i think uh i think what i mean by that is um i have tended to and always i mean not always my past behaviors the majority dictate uh putting everyone else's um needs and desires first right and uh that was what i call being nice um even if i didn't want to uh that's what happened and so uh that part of me the part of me that needs to be taken care of and wants to be um put first uh, is the is the part that's kind of coming forward. And, and so together, we're going to have to... Well, you know, um, you're saying that, and I'm seeing Odin on the cross. I'm seeing... Uh, on the cross, that's interesting. <laughs> um, I'm seeing Odin on the tree. I am seeing Jesus on the cross, and I'm seeing the hanged man. Um, and mm. I think you and I have talked several times about the idea of sacrifice and what sacrifice actually means. Yeah. Um, and that I think because of the way the Christian story has been interpreted, uh, and I mean interpreted, uh, because I do not think, um, that this was what was meant but i think the way it's been interpreted is that the sacrifice was done so that you don't have to and even in jesus's own words he'll say things like pick up your cross and follow me and you know i mean he really talked about i'm not doing it for you i'm showing you how to do it yeah and i think that when you take uh, that misinterpretation of doing for others so that they don't have to do for themselves out of it, then when you choose to sacrifice, you are recognizing that the sacrifice that I'm doing, you can't do it solely for others. You also have to do it for yourself. There has to be something that, because you are the one who knows how to perform the sacrifice, you may be the one doing it, but when you sacrifice yourself simply for others, when there isn't some kind of collective intention that also includes you, um, I think you actually perpetuate imbalance and a distortion of what sacrifice is truly meant to be. Yeah. There's part of that. um, Part of the Odin thing is that he sacrificed himself into himself. Right, uh, and so I think that part of the the story is kind of maybe the little part that got left out of the Jesus story. Maybe I don't know, but well, but I think if you integrate, father, right? yeah, I think if you integrate the two, then it's not about 
are you sacrificing yourself into yourself or are you sacrificing yourself for others? It's that I am engaged in a process where sacrificing myself into myself is sometimes necessary and it, and it can benefit the community. Yep. Well, and it does. So it's, it's a very integrated thing. I think we've, we've just arbitrarily kind of split it into a binary and it loses its power that way. Yep. Well, <laughs> we lose our power when we split it into binary two. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> to a certain extent, I mean, you're making tremendous sacrifice. I think one of the reasons why your harvest is a little bit later this year is because that which you are sacrificing is just now happening. You yeah. are you're giving up a whole life. Now you're giving it up to live another life that you're dreaming and one that is a little closer to what your dreams are right now. Right. But there was a time where the life that you are currently sacrificing was the dream. Yes. And so to me, the sacrifice is not, um, to me, it's, it's kind of an honoring of, I achieved this dream, it did benefit the community, and now it's time for me to move on to a new dream because the dream that is no longer mine is now somebody else's dream. Yeah. And you're very well aware of that. I mean, that was something that you really held very close to you as you were looking for buyers for the store is who is somebody who can take the thing that I dreamed and dream it further? Yes. Which is just the conversation we had. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I think it's it's why it took three different buyers before you found the one. I mean, uh, you know, I know there were practical reasons why other people bowed out, but perhaps part of what it was was, you know, the magic wasn't quite syncing up. Yep. Yeah. So I think it'll be very interesting to see uh, what your new dream is, how that starts to manifest. But I think it will also be interesting to see how does Blue Antler evolve and grow uh, with the one who's dreaming it now. Yeah. No, I, 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 um, I'm excited for her, for Nicole. Yeah. Um, and, and for uh, the community. Yeah, yes. Because we had, we had a, a discussion the other day, you know, she was like, I feel a little overwhelmed. And I told her, listen, don't try and recreate Blue Antler because you can't. Like, don't try and recreate the store that Tate and I had because you can't. Like, take, you see something in it and potential for it to grow and, and go. And I said, so take the threads that are the main threads that we held and held tightly and, and take, find the three that are yours and like jump, like start weaving those leaving onto those what your idea and what your uh, collaboration with Blue Antler is. Right. It was, it was interesting because no matter what, it's going to be big shoes to fill uh, because of it being Tate and I. So, and it, uh, I don't mean that conceited, uh, that would be the same for anybody. Everybody in the community has seen Blue Antler as, you know, Tate and I or whatever. And so it's just, it just shifts and changes. So you can't um, 
God, I didn't even think it was going to be the same from day to day. So, uh, and it wasn't, you know, uh, we moved things around and shift things shifted energetically and physically all the time. And, um, I'm excited to see where, where she takes it and where it goes. Yeah. Well, I think that's both the beauty and the challenge of, um, of receiving someone else's dream when it becomes your own. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that this is, um, I I just got to fess up that uh, I don't think I've looked at it quite this way before. I've always seen it as, you know, when I've outgrown a dream, I'm planting it in the ground to let it die and refuel whatever I'm dreaming next. I, I had never actually thought of there may be certain dreams that I outgrow that instead of burying them, I just need to pass them on. Yeah. And so I think it's interesting that that's exactly what you're doing. Um, And there is, I think, a challenge of, you know, you and Tate and uh, then the community and then your other two partners were so clear in weaving uh, the energy of Blue Antler that um, that she will have to be clear about what is she offering. Um, yep. But she already sees what she wants to offer. She wouldn't be attracted to it to buy it. Right. So I yes. think you gave her the perfect advice. Well, th- thank you. I hope, <laughs> I hope my advice is going to be good. Um, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, with modern technology, uh, and Facebook specifically, I hadn't quite figured out, okay, first of all, I couldn't remember my password. So that's the number one problem. <laughs> um, but to get to uh, remove myself as uh, admin from these different business pages. So it's really fascinating for me to go, oh, I finally figured out how to do it. So I removed myself from the Sugar Salon page, which uh, was a business that we had opened and then uh, passed on to someone else. Uh, to continue and she's done a great job but I've always been the and the admin for it and kind of still in control of it which is really super fascinating to me that all of this is happening um, at once with letting go of that taking myself off of the blue antler one which was really I kind of got a little my stomach dropped a little bit when I did it um, and a couple other businesses that I have been tied to so really right now is tying up loose ends and disconnecting cords that I had um, and really looking at, okay, that's gone. (laughs) What part of myself was that sustaining? And don't panic. (laughs) If, if I, you know, I start to feel like that my stomach dropped, but okay. So now really what was, what, was being connected to that feeding so that I can look at uh, what opportunities for improvement I have within myself that were that are now uh, being exposed. Well, I think that's one way of looking at it. I th- it. What I'm seeing is I'm seeing you as a tree being very fruitful and that um, as the dream matures for you, you've got to let it go because it becomes sustenance for someone else. And the drop in your stomach is simply the feeling that you have as you let go of that dream, which means 
that the moment you let go of that dream, there's also a space created in uh, your own body's cauldron where dreams are gestated and given birth. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So I like that you're feeling your stomach drop. To me, that that's how interesting that we started this with you're talking about a journey where you were on like a trap door. I mean, it's the same hmm. as as I feel in my own body, my stomach drop. I'm immediately seeing that vision I had when you describe being on that trap door and it just flipping and now you're in the underworld. Yeah. Which is often for me where I go when uh, when the space has been cleared for a new dream and I'm seeking what dream wants to now be um, manifest is that yeah. I'll go into the dark space and I just ask for what's looking to take form. <clears throat> it's, um, uh, hmm. I'm intrigued to keep going in my own personal time. Cause we're almost up today. Uh, with the concept that we started with being the hunter and the, that process. Um, and I'm, I've really uh, been exploring through this, the episode today, uh, being hunted, not being hunted. No, that's not right. It's well, different. it's being it's, both, right? It's being both hunter yeah. and hunted. Um, Exploring the integration. Yeah, yeah. And, and when you let go of one dream, how you've got to go back into that dark realm. And you, for me, I hunt, when I think about the void, when, which is the dark realm to me, when I go down into the void, when I'm seeking to create something, part of what I'm doing is I'm going into the void and I'm asking for the energy that wants to take form into the dream I am currently dreaming to make itself known. And so yeah. to a certain extent, I'm hunting for that energy. I'm hunting for the magic that is longing to form itself in the way that I am dreaming. Yeah. <clears throat> It really does pull, fuck, it really does pull us out of um, being the one uh, driving the chariot <laughs> with a whip or with reins. It pulls, it, it's pulling me out of that uh, well, mindset even further. Yeah, now you're a passenger. You're a passenger, but you're a passenger who's communicated in some form of, um, you've communicated your intention that you are, you're looking for whatever you need in order to build the new dream. And I yeah. think that that gets communicated to the horses in both the light and the dark realms. And then they can take you to whatever realm you need to be in to find the thing that helps your dream, new dream manifest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But yeah. I think once you once you step onto that chariot, uh, you know, the horses will either stand still or they'll take you in circles until 
you have the dream that gives them clear direction. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think they want to take you there. I think that's their whole function and purpose is that you step onto oh, yeah. the chariot and they're going to take you to the place that where you need to find the resources to manifest what you desire. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yippee, yippee kaye, motherfucker. Is that what the... <laughs> I think Let's that go. works, yeah. I think that I think I'm I think I'm quoting uh, Die Hard. <laughs> uh, uh, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Bruce. Uh, like we're friends, it's Bruce, um, <laughs> Mr. Bruce Willis. Anyway, uh, wow. Well, thank you for today. That was it's been uh, it's been really uh, interesting. I did not realize I was going to need chocolate today, but like there's a whole bag sitting right here, and I've had. <laughs> I did not realize I was going to be off in Never Neverland. Oh, well, well, that's what I mean by Samhain seems to be really stirring up. I, I feel very much the last few days I felt like I'm walking in a dream. Um, yeah. And that's that's usually indication to me that something in those other worlds is integrating so strongly that I'm kind of uh, walking in more than one world at a time. Yes. And that's Samhain. That, that to me is what it means when the veil thins is that I become aware, um, that all of the worlds are here and I'm walking in many of them all the time. I just don't usually have this level of awareness of that. Right. Yeah. So thank you. That was a beautiful question today. And um, it's interesting that we both had uh, some precursor uh, experiences that kind of led us to the same question. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Really cool. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, if yeah. you're listening, we hope that, uh, that our discussion about Samhain and Huntress and predator and prey and all of that stuff has been helpful to you um and uh if you have any questions or comments please feel free to get in touch with us either by email at web of resonance pod at gmail.com or you can always find us on our facebook page at web of resonance and if you want to support us monetarily uh that is great and you can do that by uh going to our page on anchor and uh, contributing there, or just tell your friends how cool we are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And thank you for listening. Yes, thank you for listening, and have a great week. Have a good week, everyone.